Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples, the website, lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including guests Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. William B. Allen is the editor of a new book just came out, The State of Black America. In the 21st century, it's dangerous to ask the wrong questions about the state of black America. Well, uh, he's going to be on the show and talk about his new book that he's edited. We'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many books. His latest is No Problem. It is May the 23rd, and on this day in 1960, Israeli Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion announced to the world that the Nazi world criminal Adolf Eichmann had been captured and will uh, stand trial in Israel Eichmann, the Nazi SS officer who organized Adolf Hitler's final solution of the Jewish question, was seized by Israel's agents in Argentina on May the 11th and smuggled to uh, Israel nine days later. Eichmann was born in Germany in 1906. In November 1932, he joined the Nazi elite's SS organization, whose members came to have uh, broad responsibilities in Nazi Germany, including policing, intelligence, and the enforcement of Adolf Hitler's anti-Semitic policies. Eichmann steadily rose in the SS hierarchy, and with the German annexation of Austria in 1938, he was sent to Vienna with the mission of ridding the city of Jews. He set up an efficient uh, Jewish deportment center, and in 1939 was sent to Prague on a similar mission. That year, Eichmann was appointed to the Jewish section of the SS Central Security Office in Berlin, in January 1942, Eichmann met with top, Israel, top Nazi officials at the Wannsee Conference near Berlin for the purpose of planning a final solution of the Jewish question. That was all in quotes. As Nazi leader Hermann Göring put it, the Nazi decided to exterminate Europe's Jewish population. Eichmann was appointed to coordinate the identification, assembly, and transportation of millions of Jews from occupied Europe to the Nazi death camps where Jews were gassed or worked to death. He carried this duty out with horrifying efficiency, and between three and four million Jews were perished in the extermination camps before the end of the war, and close to two million were executed elsewhere, for example in Poland. Following the war, Eichmann was captured by the U.S. troops, but he escaped the prison camp in 1946 before having to face the Nuremberg International War Crimes Tribunal. Eichmann traveled under the assumed identity between uh, Europe and the Middle East and in 1950 arrived in Argentina, which maintained lax immigration policies and was a safe haven for the many Nazi war criminals. In 1957, a German prosecutor secretly informed Israel that Eichmann was living in Argentina. Agents from Israel's intelligence uh, service, the Mossad, were deployed to Argentina, and in 1960, they finally located Eichmann. He was living in the San Fernando section of Buenos Aires under the name of Ricardo Clement. In May 1960, Argentina was celebrating the 150th anniversary of its revolution against Spain, and many tourists were traveling to Argentina from abroad to attend the festivities. The Mossad used this opportunity to smuggle more agents into the country. Israel, known uh, that Argentina might never extradite Eichmann for trial, decided to abduct him and take him out to uh, Israel out of to Israel illegally. On May 11th, Mossad operatives descended on Garibaldi Street in San Fernando and snatched Eichmann away as he was walking from the bus to his home. His family called local hospitals, but not the police in Argentina knew nothing of the operation. On May the 20th, a drugged Eichmann was flown out of Argentina disguised as an Israeli airline worker who had suffered head trauma in the accident. Three days later, Prime Minister Ben-Gurion announced that Eichmann was in Israel custody. Argentina demanded Eichmann be returned, but Israel argued that his status as an international war criminal gave it the right to proceed with a trial. On April 11, 1961, Eichmann's trial began in Jerusalem. It was the first trial to be televised in history. 
Eichmann's faced 11 charge, 15 charges, including crimes against humanity, crimes against the Jewish people, and war crimes. He claimed he was just following orders, but the judges disagreed, finding him guilty on all counts on December the 15th and sentencing him, sentencing him to die. On May 31st, 1962, he was hanged near Tel Aviv. His body was subsequently cremated and his ashes thrown in the sea. Adolf Eichmann. Uh, horrific crimes committed against humanity. That We have to always consider the fact that whatever that is, we have it within us and we have to control it, definitely. And uh, we see these things perhaps happening right now in Ukraine. Who knows? But uh, uh, our capacity for doing great harm to humanity is unbelievable. Justin Thomas yesterday won the PGA Championship in a playoff over Will Zalatoris. It was fantastic. He was seven strokes behind when he started the day and ended up winning in a playoff. It was just a fantastic demonstration of courage and talent. Golfing uh, acumen was just fantastic. So congratulations to Justin Thomas. He won the PGA uh, for the second time with a Sunday charge with a uh, war of attrition because some of the other players who were leading just tended to drop off. It must have been a very difficult course, Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. While Florida Appeals Court uh, ordered the reinstatement of a congressional map signed by Governor Ron DeSantis, in doing so it uh, stayed the lower court's order while the state's appeal continues. Uh, according to the nonprofit news outlet, there will, uh, this will mean the map will be approved for the Florida legislature and signed by DeSantis. It's back in effect, and this man, uh, map dismantled a largely black district in northern Florida. This map now will be used for the uh, 2022 uh, 20, elections. So uh, that it may be changed later by a higher court, but right for now, this is the map that's going to be used. It's a great achievement uh, by Governor DeSantis. What really happened is he dismantled a gerrymandered map uh, that uh, should not have been in place in the first place. So uh, congratulations to the governor and to the state of Florida. Florida is outpacing the nation economically, seeing an increased rate of job growth of 0.7%, twice the national rate of increase. This according to Governor DeSantis, who announced this on Friday. In April alone, Florida added 57 new jobs, 57,000 new jobs, the governor said. That's an increase of 0.7%, which is twice the rate of increase in the nation as a whole. Florida's unemployment rate is now 3%, which is far below the national average of 3.6%, which is more than the Sunshine State's unemployment rate has been lower than the national average for 17 months in a row, and the state has experienced 24 consecutive months of private sector job growth. Our labor force grew by 30,000 people. The nation as a whole lost 363,000 people from the workforce, the governor said. As your workforce is expanding and your unemployment rate is dropping, that's when you know you have a lot of opportunities. If the workforce expands or contracts like it did nationally, you would have to decline in unemployment. It doesn't necessarily mean you know that you're adding to a robust number of jobs. Many things were beyond the state's control, he continued, including the halt of international travel. But I think what we did by setting the course to be a free state when COVID hit, people were saying that this way they would take four or five years to be able to get where we were pre-COVID in terms of our tourism numbers. In fact, between January and March of this year, we had 36 million visitors. That's far above our 2019 levels, he said, attributing the state's success to the state's remaining free and open you're not going to get shaken down to produce medical papers at the front door of a restaurant. People don't want to do that, he said. I mean, honestly, it's just that I think the proof is in the pudding on this is our market share of overseas travelers. Congratulations again, uh, Governor DeSantis, leading us in a free state of Florida. Well, yep, Representative uh, Byron Donalds, our own representative here in District 19, condemned the Biden administration for planning to give the United States control over its pandemic response to the World Health Organization. Now, I'm not kidding. This this is in the works, and I'm, I think this is just so important. I just really speak, uh, appreciate Byron Donald speaking out about this. Any plan by the Biden administration to defer control over our national pandemic response to an international organization in the name of pandemic prevention is an alarming dereliction of duty and against the interest of our country, he said in a statement. The World Health Organization has proposed a global accord on pandemic prevention 
The World Health Organization is an arm of the Chinese Communist Party and should have zero to say over any policy related to our nation. The response by the WHO amid its pandemic made it clear that they are a sham organization that prioritizes the needs of our adversaries, not the American people, said Donalds. Well said. The Nonprofit Liberty Council criticizes the Biden administration for proposing amendments that would allow the WHO to unilaterally intervene in the affairs of nations if it is suspected of a health emergency. If the amendment is approved, the WHO will have the power to declare an international health emergency nullifying the power of nation states, the Liberty Council said. An action by President Biden should be tandem with the legislative branch, particularly in the United States Senate under the Article 2, Section 2 of the United States Constitution, said Donalds. On May the 22nd through the 28th, that's this week, uh, the 75th World Health Assembly will convene at United Nations headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland, to consider this proposal. Biden's already signed off on it, so we have to put a stop to this, because if you can imagine this, the WHO uh, could uh, simply declare an international, for example, the monkey virus could just declare an international pandemic, and voila, they'd have the say over our elections and just anything that's going on in our country. Using health as the reason. This is a bad deal, and it needs to be stopped. Thank you, uh, Representative Biden, uh, uh, Donalds, for speaking out on this. Well, a federal judge in Louisiana on Friday blocked the Biden administration for lifting the Title 42 order, which immigration officers have used to expel migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border, including asylum seekers. 24 states blocked the Center for Disease Control and Prevention for repealing, repealing Title 42, which the Biden administration has promised to remove beginning Monday. That's today. District Judge Robert Summerhays in Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, ruled that the Biden administration violated administrative law in April when it announced its intent to halt Title 42 out of health order uh, aimed at preventing the spread of communicable diseases in the country. In the ruling, Summerhays said that the re- uh, removal of Title 42 would cause irreparable harm because the U.S. border states would subsequently have to spend money on health care, law enforcement, education, and other services for migrants. In some, the court finds that the plaintiff states have established a substantial likelihood of success based on CDC's failure to comply with the rulemaking requirements of the Administrative Procedure Act. This finding is sufficient to satisfy the first requirement for injunctive relief, Summerhays wrote in the decision. That's just a really wonderful news. Congratulations. Uh, now, nevertheless, right now, uh, the illegal immigrants are at the border, and they just decided they're going to come across anyhow. There have been thousands of them. It's, uh, this is a shocking, shocking development, but it's good that the judge, Summerhays, is holding off on uh, repealing Title 42. The segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new refreshing social networking platform and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, William B. Allen, editor of a new book, The State of Black America. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, a great multimedia website for kids of all ages, including you and I, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So we'll talk about current global events, and let's start off by, uh, with developments in Korea. Right, so President Biden has completed a three-day visit to Korea, which went very well, according to all reports. The new Korean, there's a new government in Korea, and they're, um, I won't say more anti-North, but believe in a harder line against North Korea than the previous one. And they and Biden got along very well. And in the course of um, the visit in Korea, um, President Biden announced a new Indo-Pacific economic framework to replace TPP, which the U.S. pulled out of, and uh, it currently exists with China joining it, But um, and most of the countries in the Pacific region have agreed to join it, including as far away as India, and the idea is to be a bulk work against the Chinese and the economic framework of cooperating countries against the Chinese more than anything else, and um, it looks like it's going forward at this point. Hmm. Um, bilateralism is the word of the day. Excellent. So, uh, just to clarify, that you're saying that China did uh, is joining this or is not joining it? I no, think. it's not. It's oh. not. It's not. It's not including China. The idea is this to be this is to be a a counterweight to Chinese influence, and um, you know, built together a coalition of the countries of of the Pacific who are willing to work together with the United States. You know, previously there was the uh, Australian, British, American uh, agreement that's going to provide nuclear submarines to the Australians. Mm-hmm. And um, the Biden administration has really been building out the the bulk work against Chinese influence as much as possible. So let's move to what's happening in Taiwan, speaking of China. Well, Taiwan is really, it's another part of the trip, really, because what a major change in U.S. policy was made today by President Biden when he announced the fact that the United States will come to the aid of Taiwan if it's attacked by China. Hmm. That ends uh, 50 years of more of ambiguity mm-hmm. as what is what America's position is. And I guess after Ukraine, the, the, the thinking was, let's be clear about it and, uh, from the start. And the Chinese should know that if they do get involved, the United States is saying that it will come immediately to, Taiwanese, to Taiwan's aid. Um, and Taiwan is critical to the United States because of the chip manufacturing it does. So right. The United States will be in real trouble if the Chinese were able to to, um, to conquer Taiwan. How's Taiwan doing in terms of developing and uh, maintaining its own military? It has this reasonably strong military. There's some questions of, of what it wants to purchase at the moment. There's an argument going on between the United States and Taiwan. Um, not that the United States doesn't want to sell it military uh, weapons, but the United States wants it to buy more things uh, like the Ukrainians were using, and less big-ticket items and more... Um, small ticket and effective new technologies, oh, from like more, more defensive missiles and those sort of things, and less 
big helicopters, let's say, which is one of the things that Taiwanese want to want to buy. So that's a that's a that's a professional disagreement, so to speak, or you know, not even a disagreement, but you know, a discussion of of what's the most effective way. And of course, look, we're all starting to learn the lessons, military lessons from the Ukraine war, and we'll, there'll be more lessons as the months go on. So that will certainly have an impact on any everyone's decisions of what sort of arms to. To, to purchase in the future. Yeah. The United States are focused, I, I believe, on selling defensive uh, weapons uh, to the Ukraine as opposed to offensive weapons that they could use, for example, to attack Russia. Is that pretty much what the uh, argument or discussion is about with Taiwan? No, it's not so much a defensive. It's, it's literally the question of big-ticket items, you know, l- large helicopters, large aircraft, those sort of things, versus lots of, you know, lots of anti-tank missiles and mm-hmm. lots of anti-ship missiles and that, that sort of question. In other words, it's one of the questions going on right now in the U.S. military. For instance, the Marine Corps is undergoing a major uh, change. It's getting rid of all of its tanks. It's dividing itself up to much smaller units. It's arming itself with highly effective missiles, and it's it's remaking itself. And there's a lot of argument about that, quite mm-hmm. frankly, in the United States, whether the Marines are making the right choice or not making the right choice. Uh, but they're saying they're moving towards the 21st century, and this is even before the Ukraine war, which seems to have proven their direction correctly. So, interesting. It's, um, it's an interesting question. So, before we leave that the area, uh, Australia had some uh, elections, and I think the outcome is. Australia had elections. The Labour Party won the elections, ousting the Conservative Party. It would seem it's not totally clear, but it would seem like the major issue is the environment. Not that the Conservative Party was anti-environmentalism, but the Labour Party had a stronger platform on dealing with environmental issues, and that got the support of the Australian people. There was also some, I guess, resentment in terms of some of the lockdowns that took place that may have also factored into the victory, although the Labour Party didn't have a particular opinion that said there was, you know, they would have done less, but still the government in power was the one that was in power and therefore not popular, for some, at least among part of the country. What they did. On the other hand, their death rate from COVID is like you know 10% of the U.S. death rate. Not talking about absolute numbers. Absolute numbers it's very small, but in terms of per population, mm-hmm. they were much more successful. So, you know, much more severe uh, uh, consequences though with regard to the uh, lockdowns. So right, uh, absolutely. I mean, it's you know, it's like everything else. Everything is a trade-off, and the same thing with all the all the the actions taken to halt COVID. Um, it was all a question of a trade-off, and um, you know we had a million deaths, and uh, I forgot what the exact number the Australians had, but it was a very small number, and um, that's because they locked down much more than the United States did, and people followed it, and yeah. you know, it it's health 101 that says when there's a pandemic. Basically, you quarantine people. The question is, at what price? And Don't you quarantine the sick, though, not the not the healthy? That's just a... well. That's the question, though. But once you once you you know you you can't define who's sick in situations like that. That's always the problem. Yeah. So, uh, so that, another issue, and I, I probably have the name. I think it was is it the Solomon Islands? But there was another issue that the, the, they they tend to this uh, islands. The islands about a thousand miles from Australia decided to form yeah, an alliance. Those, those are Solomon Islands, famous from the World War II battles. That's where Guadalcanal is located, Tulgai, and all the places that the Marine Corps talking about made famous from the assaults on those islands in the war against Japan. And they're independent, um, and the Chinese are trying to have an impact there and build a naval base there. So there's a lot of pushback, and the United States is very upset about that, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, the Solomon Islands is back in the news. You know, it's not just a place on the map from World War II at them, when we think about it. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Mark, I'd like to just take a little break. Can you uh, stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, 
medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us and continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. So uh, the war in Ukraine continues. I just want to get your thoughts and update. Right, so the war is continuing. The Russian advance, the limited Russian advance, now they've limited themselves to the Donbass region, seems to be sputtering out. They're not making any progress. Ukrainians have put up stiff resistance and are holding them back. Um, and they had some counter-offensives up north in Kharkov area. Um, everyone is expecting it will take another month or so until the Ukrainians are ready for a full counter-offensive. And at that point, it's unclear how the, how the Russians are going to be able to hold on or not. Russian morale is said to be beyond terrible, to say the least. And um, they've run out of equipment. They've run out of everything. And so... But Putin wants to keep on going, so we'll have to see where it goes. Um, what's also interesting is the sanctions seem to really be working very well, but not in the ways that most people thought initially. In other words, the sanctions are not stopping the Russians from uh, getting money because they're able to still sell their oil and gas, but it's stopping them from buying anything. No one is willing to sell the Russians anything. Mm-hmm. And that includes the Chinese companies and all sorts of other companies that we wouldn't think. In other words, in other words other companies in the world and from countries that are not involved in the conflict and not necessarily opposing Russia are afraid of getting involved in a secondary boycott. So Chinese companies, for instance, are afraid to sell to Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes across the board in most of the world. So the Russians are almost incapable of getting both consumer goods nor any sort of replacement parts or equipment for building new tanks or fixing the tanks and their planes, and uh, they expect that it'll take another month or two and all of their civilian aircraft will be grounded because they don't have spare parts. It's so interesting, Mark. I mean, uh, right now, of course, uh, they, they're swimming in money. Money's coming in from oil sales. And yet, and, and uh, the irony is that many of the countries that are supporting uh, Ukraine in this effort, they're still buying oil uh, from the Russians, and, and in fact, the Russians in some cases are saying we're not going to sell oil to you. So it's it's just such an interesting situation. Right, but you know, interestingly enough, today the polls announced that they're they're eliminating the import of um, Russian gas six months before when they were planning to. Hmm. You know, they they pulled it off and done it quickly enough. Uh, the Finns are leasing an LNG that's a liquid uh, liquid natural gas terminal. Uh, so that they'll be able to start importing liquid natural gas, probably from the United States, because that's the only way you can transport uh, natural gas, you know, across oceans, obviously, 
you compress it and put it into these special ships. And um, so the countries in Europe are slowly but surely, you know, it's something we can do in one day. Luckily, for the world and for Ukraine, we're heading into the summer where gas and oil uh, consumption does go down considerably, and people, you know, don't need gas to keep their homes warm and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. uh, the hope is that by next fall, there'll be enough countries will have found alternative sources. So, so you, you brought up uh, China. It's working. You brought up China and the fact that China is not willing to sell uh, goods to Russia, but China's shut down. How, how are they doing in terms of their exports? In other words, their their, their economy is somewhat right shut down. Right now, their exports are down, I believe, 20% this month, year over year, um, because so many so many parts of the country are short, uh, shut down. We have a situation with Shanghai Port. You know, we had, we've had this ongoing problem of shipping worldwide over the last, since, since it's COVID. COVID began the problem, and the hope was this was going to sort of, you know, work its way out at this point. But now, because of the Chinese shutdown, you have thousands of ships sitting off the coast of China waiting to uh, debark or embark. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's causing a new wave of, of um, problems in terms of the global um, supply chain. You know, we have to assume the supply chain is going to be really problematic over the next, at least another year. Yeah. Um, so... Interesting. That's bad news in terms of inflation, in terms of suddenly things you think would, would be available suddenly are not. Um, and, you know, that's directly and indirectly caused by, by COVID. It does tell us, you know, we all we all gain from globalization, lowering of prices, and it was also um, took millions and millions of people out of poverty in all parts of the world, but it also obviously makes everything much more fragile. Absolutely. Uh, before we change the topic, uh, any update on Putin's health? I mean, there seems to be a lot of discrepancy in the, about what's happening with uh, with him. No update. No one really knows. You know, the, the problem is any sort of information we get could either be true or be false. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's very hard to know what what the real facts are. Um, we'll have to see. I mean, it's really there's, there's no point in speculating on things that we just don't know. Right. Although we do that a lot, don't we? <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> so let's. I try to stick to the facts. We, we try; it always succeeds. Okay, let's let's move to Iran and what's happening. Right. So Iran, there's two parts. To it. One is the nuclear agreement, the JCPOA. I won't say it's dead, but it doesn't look very alive. Um, the 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 reason for it was the was the demand that the Iranians put that that the IRGA the um, that the um, the, the Guard, which is basically a terrorist organization, be removed from the terrorist watch list or terrorist lists. Um, that was something the Trump administration put on, but no one's really willing to remove them because they really are terrorists. Mm-hmm. Um, the other interesting thing is one of the um, leaders, a colonel in the, uh, in, in the organization, who supposedly was responsible for a project to lure Israelis um, overseas and then kidnap them, which didn't succeed, he was shot yesterday in downtown Tehran by two gunmen. Hmm. So, I don't know who did it. No one knows, but, who, you know, we can try to connect the dots. So, how's Iran's uh, standing in the in the uh, globe right now in terms of uh, isolation? You mentioned that uh, uh, Russia is certainly being isolated. How about Iran? Iran is semi-isolated. Obviously, their U.S. sanctions are still in place including the secondary sanctions, which clearly have an impact. Uh, their economic situation is, is really quite bad at this point. There have been uh, demonstrations in a number of cities. I mean, not quite enough to endanger the regime, but enough to make them get nervous, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that would be the best outcome for everybody. It's time that the Ayatollahs give up power. And if we could get a new government in Iran, anything is possible. That is good news. I should point out to our listeners that you are in Tel Aviv and have been now for the at least six months. Uh, any developments on with the the Palestinian the situation and uh, the, there are some terrorists and some other things going on. Well, there, there there's been was a series of terrorist attacks, and there was the Israeli army has uh, gone into parts of the West Bank and arrested people, and there've been some some shooting back and forth. But nothing out of the ordinary. Look, Israel has this impossible dilemma that no one has been able to come forth and solve, which is uh, 
occupying another group of people is a really bad thing. On the other hand, no one has come up with a plan that says how to end this occupation and then ensure the safety of Israel. And so this dilemma keeps on going and doesn't really, there is, there's differences between right-wing and left-wing Israelis, but neither side has any, neither one has a good solution. And until the Palestinians are willing to um, concede the fact that they, the original idea of two states was something they accept, and the fact that, that the current more or less borders are the borders that will be, and there won't be any further demands, until then there won't be, there won't be peace. And that's sad. Can I tell you? It is sad indeed. Again, uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of the multimedia website HistoryCentral.com. I hope you'll check it out. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with William B. Allen. He is the editor, the CEO of uh, the uh, CEO of, I want to make sure that I get this correct, our Center for Urban Renewal and Education. He's also the editor of this uh, new book, The The State of Black America. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us William B. Allen. He is the CEO of the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, as well as the, or I should say, editor of a new book, The State of Black America. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. I'm delighted to be joining you. Thank you so much. So uh, before we talk about the book, tell us about the Center for Urban Renewal and Education. This is a center that's some 26 years old now that was founded by Star Parker during the era of welfare reform in the Clinton administration. And it has existed primarily to bring attention to distressed communities across the country and to change the country's policy profile in addressing the issues in those communities. Uh, Star was uh, someone who lifted herself from welfare dependency into independence and became strongly influenced by the passion
passionate desire to reshape America's approach. So Kyrus is in Washington, D.C. It is a policy think tank, and it operates through a clergy network nationwide. Uh, fantastic. She is uh, just a rock star, so <laughs> I didn't realize that she was part of the organization. So uh, would it be fair to say that you're focusing on uh, keeping people off of welfare, welfare and getting them back to work and to, to uh, focusing on the independence and the, uh, the integrity of, of black families and black folks? That would be quite accurate. It is an organization whose entire mission is to restore a sense of agency in black communities. Well said. Thank you. So let's talk about this book, The State of Black America. Uh, tell us why you decided to bring this book together to, to uh, this collection of essays and uh, edit this book. We wanted to address the prevailing question of our time, which is precisely what is the state of black America in the context in which we are, as a nation, thoroughly beset with cries of racism and victimization which we at CURE are persuaded is an inaccurate representation of the United States and an inaccurate representation of the situation and condition of black people. And therefore, we wrote the book to try to set the record straight. That's so interesting. So um, uh, how would you describe the state of black America right now? It is a state that is greatly uh, improved in the era of post-slavery, in which we have found it possible, even under the most adverse circumstances, for free slaves and ultimately free black citizens to make their way in this country and to gradually approach the position of complete absorption into the American mainstream. So uh, you mentioned that it's uh, dangerous for folks to talk about the state of black America. Why is that? Uh, That danger stems from the fact that we live in an era in which political rhetoric concentrates on separating, distinguishing blacks from other Americans, blacks from non-blacks, and which therefore creates enormous division. And anyone who addresses the question runs the risk, if they're not black, of being called racist, and therefore being disabled from making any positive contributions to advancing our society. I'll give you a quick anecdote about this. I served on the Commission on Civil Rights. I was its chair. Towards the end of my chairmanship, I spoke to the Wednesday group in the House of Representatives, which is a Republican group. And I gave them an update on the condition of the country with respect to the question of race and some recommendations about what to do about it and how to address the question. And I said to them, you've got to be candid and forthright about this. And almost to an individual in that entire group, they responded to me, we can't talk that way. We will be called racist. Hmm. Now, that was true over a quarter century ago, and it's even more true today than it was then. That is so interesting. So uh, are there areas of inequality for black people right now that you think are important? Uh, I think that the question of inequality is not important. Yes, there are inequalities. It is impossible that there would not be, mm-hmm. given the history of the country and the circumstances for which we've lived. But I like to point out to people that the inequality was at its very worst in the immediate aftermath of slavery. And what we saw there for a period of 50 years was extraordinary progress. We saw, the, in the first place, the formation of black families and the increase of black population surged dramatically between 1860 and 1890. If we look at census reports, we will see that the population more than doubled, which is an extraordinary human performance and continue to grow at that pace until we reach the era when targeted abortion in black communities had an adverse impact on black population growth. So we've seen progress. We saw it not just in terms of population growth, but in literacy. By 1920, nearly half of the black population was literate. That was also a formidable progress that was attained. And we saw economic progress. Even when we think of things like the Tulsa Massacre, we must not forget the Tulsa Massacre was a massacre of people who were being successful. Yes. Who had established successful businesses, and that was true many places throughout the country. So in the darkest era, the era of Jim Crow and massive lynching, black people were making progress. They were diminishing inequalities, so much so that we could say by the 1960s, they had demonstrated 
their capacities and their accomplishments sufficient to give us every assurance that inequality would diminish because of the exertions of black people themselves. Unfortunately, in the 1960s, we turned a different path into the pathway of dependence and began to undermine much of that progress. It reminds me of Jason Riley's book, Please Stop Helping Us, I thought was a great read, but I think along the, the, the same theme that you're speaking of, what recommendations do you have for promoting opportunity and upward mobility for black Americans? Get out of the way. I, I agree with Jason Riley. Stop helping us. The, the problem is that there isn't any help that's going on. All there is is the preaching and a fostering of dependence. Uh, what is the most important question we face? I'd say it's this. It is the question of whether black people will understand themselves to be self-respecting, self-confident, and capable of making a contribution to the country itself. What is at stake is not the future of black America, but the future of America. Right. And the key to that future is black patriotism. And that black patriotism must be built on a foundation of black self-confidence. And so our recommendations are to begin the process of restoring that self-confidence, to know that the real evidence of black progress is not the rare burst in this or that line of endeavor or profession, but the massive progress of masses of black people themselves. That's the real story. And so reinforcing that story, telling that throughout the country, black communities everywhere, is the key to turning it around. Yeah, so well said. Uh, just, uh, again, the name of the book is The State of Black America, uh, again, by edited by William W.B. Allen. Uh, and, uh, again, it's just for sale this week, by the way, so it's a, it sounds like a terrific read. Uh, William, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm delighted to be with you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to uh, visit with... Uh, uh, Jim McTagg. Jim is former Barron's Washington bureau chief. He's retired now. Still loves about a lot about what's going on in the Beltway. He's written a couple of books. Uh, they are murder mysteries, and they are fantastic. I've read them all. Uh, the first is uh, Follow the Leader and sequel Shake the Money Tree. And then finally, the just recently released No Problem. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's also the author, now retired, uh, has written several books, his latest yeah, follow the leader. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here. On, I'm sorry, your latest is no problem. Uh, your first book is, uh, follow, well, it's not even your first book. You wrote uh, other books before that, but your latest murder mystery is uh, no problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, my catchphrase is, my life is murder. So, <laughs> I'm sure everybody, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the upcoming election. The focus is on the economy and inflation, you know, and there's a story in Politico today uh, quoting Democrats that Biden is already fried because voters make up their minds by June and, mm. and, and there's going to be a huge Republican wave. Uh, but I also think that you know, the cultural wars should not be minimized. I think, you know, when voters go to the polls and vote for Republicans, um, it's it's not that they uh, uh, buy, necessarily buy at face value that, that Biden stole the election. Uh, I think it's because they realize that Hillary went to great lengths to steal the, the election when she ran against uh, Trump. And it, it shows that the uh, federal government is a captive of the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and the liberal cultural establishment, which is trying to nor- normalize all kinds of aberration. And if you want ammunition <laughs> to, to support your, your position in the cultural wars, if you're a Republican, uh, go to the New York Times, believe it or not. The, the Voice of Liberal America had a story Sunday about how the education establishment adopted a reading program that pretty much abandoned phonics and in the process uh, damaged tens of millions of children. That figure, tens of millions of children, comes from the New York Times. Story. Yeah, no, I mean... Uh, that- See, kids can't read. <laughs> they come out of school. Right now, here in Florida, we have a good school system here in Collier County, they say, and yet 58% of the kids at fifth grade can't read at grade level. I mean, that's and that's in a large part because of Common Core and the things that preceded it for the last decade. Right now, we're, I think, doing a lot of things to get our education program in public schools back in shape, but you're right, I mean, uh, talk about the harm that's been done to a lot of young minds. It's just really unfortunate. Yeah, and and this is just a, an astounding story. It's by a reporter named uh, Danik Oldstein, who, who she covers uh, education for the New York Times. And it was a professor, Lucy Calkins, who developed some theory called natural readers. And it was that you didn't have to teach kids phonics, uh, phonics rather, that, uh, you know, they could... Uh, people love to read, and they they would be able to puzzle out words uh, without sounding them out. I mean, it's it's totally ridiculous, and it 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 was uh, there was no science supporting this. Hmm. And she created a multi-million-dollar business uh, throughout the United States uh, selling this junk, you know, and and a pe- some something like uh, over sixteen thousand uh, schools. Uh, uh, districts bought this stuff, uh, 67,000 elementary schools. And in these schools, something like uh, only 25% of the kids are reading at grade level. Yeah. So it's, it's astounding. It, it's a fabulous expose of how uh, the liberal establishment, uh, and they're motivated by greed, you know, uh, bamboozle the public into accepting some crazy uh, theory that runs uh, counter to uh, the beliefs uh, and uh, the traditions that, that you know, we've uh, been following for hundreds of years. 
uh, you know, makes us feel like Neanderthals. Yeah, no. How, how about uh, how about the sixteen nineteen project or critical race theory as 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 add-ons? That's I just I got off an interview with uh, a rare, very interesting interview with W. B. Allen. He's the uh, CEO for the Center for Urban and Renewal and Education. He's assembled a book called The State of Black America. The point being is, he said uh, he thinks. And, and makes the case that uh, it's actually dangerous to talk about race in America because you'll end up being called a racist. Well, it's true. Um, there's, still, there's still not adequate communications between uh, white people and, and, and black people. I find most of the misunderstanding between blacks and whites on both sides is between uh, whites who, who don't know any or hardly any blacks and, and vice versa. Um, hmm. you know, uh, so, so the best way to talk about race is to make a, f- a friend and a companion with the, uh, other race. And you'll find out that, uh, you know, the skin color doesn't matter. People are pretty much uh, the same, but what, what we do is when, uh, you know, there, we don't have that kind of interaction, you get the, uh, the, ghettos you get the neighborhoods the, the low-class neighborhoods where people are shooting each other every day and 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 that perplexes me yeah because uh you know black lives matter i mean nobody wants police white or black shooting somebody uh recklessly yeah that's right well i mean uh, ben carson made the case you know he's a brain surgeon and uh, a former uh, the Secretary of Health and Human no is it yeah Health and Human Services I think it was in any event uh, they, you know he makes the case that look once once you peel the skin back and you start brain surgery there's no difference between people and their race uh, so you know the fact of the matter is is we're all individuals uh, we're not races we're individuals and uh, the, the irony is that Jim I know you and you've been on the show for years. Uh, like I really don't know how you think, nor do you know how I think. We're all individuals and think very individually. So uh, it, it's a it's it's just a, a, a it's just absurd that we have this identity uh, race politics that interfere with interaction among human beings. Yeah, I'm very much concerned about all the shootings in the, in the uh, uh, poor black neighborhoods. I mean, it's a um, it's a self, uh, it's suicide. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, the, the death toll in our nation's cities, uh, you know, uh, young black men shooting each other is astounding. And the public seems to uh, not ignore it, but uh, not confront it with uh, any bold action. Yeah, the problem we have elected officials like Kim Fox in Chicago and Gascon in Los Angeles who won't enforce the law. The consequences are that we end up with uh, just insane types of things going on in our society because it's allowed. Uh, This is my opinion now, obviously. uh, This is the conclusion I've drawn, is that if if we enforce the laws, we say, hey, we really mean it, and you're going to pay a price if you do this type of stuff, people won't do it, or they'll do less of it. Yeah, the other thing is I think the left culturally is trying to normalize aberrant behavior. Mm-hmm. And it gets worse every single year. And if you raise an objection, uh, you're shouted down like you're a bigot, you're a Neanderthal, you know, you don't belong in our society. And so the traditionalists, you know, it's, it's really a war against religious people, too. Um, mm-hmm. I saw, I began to hear liberals describing the pro-life movement as a MAGA movement, Make America Great Again movement. You know, it's not. It's a church movement. Right. Uh, it's a religious movement. It's been going on for decades before there was such a thing as MAGA. But um, the liberals are trying to lump Trump haters or trying to rally Trump haters to go against religious people. I, I, I just see the beginnings, the seeds of this in press reports, and that's very frightening as well. It is indeed. Jim McTagg, again, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author, I'm going to do this correctly this time, author of three great murder mysteries. The first is Follow the Leader. The second is Shake the Money Tree. And the third, the final sequel, is No Problem. Just great reads. Jim, I just really, do you have a new one coming out soon? 
Uh, not soon. It takes me about two years to uh, write a book. Wow. Well, we appreciate your efforts because the results are just terrific. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly learned a lot. I hope you join us tomorrow. We're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Boo Mortensen, she, by the way, is going to be up in Tallahassee for the special session. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.